Welcome to Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast, an in-depth study of the Word of God. The program's name is from Romans 12, 2, which says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Welcome back to Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast, where we take a verse by verse, chapter by chapter, look at the Word of God specifically in the New in the New Testament. And we're currently in the book of John, and we are going to finish chapter seven out of that book. And this episode will be the last episode for this year. We're going to take off the month of December and we will pick back up in chapter eight of the book of John on or in next year, late January or early February 2023. And as as of this recording, we are day before Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for to our God for blessing us to see another day, to see another Thanksgiving, to acknowledge him as our God, to praise and worship him, and so, so many more things that we are grateful to our God for. As I, I want to take this time, as I always do, to remind you that if you miss any episode You can go back and find and listen at your leisure. You can download it and play it while you're on your way to work or from work or if you can at work or while you're working out. Whenever you would like to listen to them, you can find past and future episodes on our website of RenewYourMindMinistries.org. Or you can find past episodes of this podcast as well as our two other podcasts on any podcasting, streaming service such as Spotify, Amazon Alexa. If you tell Amazon Alexa or your smart speaker to play Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast, she will do so as well as you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Google Podcasts, and any else, anywhere else where you can listen to a podcast. We should be there. Also, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Renew Your Mind Ministries, I-N-C. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Renew Your Mind Ministries, I-N-C. And as always, we encourage you to share the podcast with others. If you're being blessed or you're being fed the word of God, and I pray that you are, tell someone else about the program. It doesn't cost anything to do that. And by doing that, you may actually change their lives. All right, let's get back into the book of John out of the New Testament. Again, we are going to wrap up chapter seven. So if you have not already done so, please open up your Bible or your Bible app and turn with me to the book of John chapter seven. And we're going to start with verse number 37 and read through verse number 53. And that will take us to the end of this chapter. And so what we want to do is we want to recap where we are before we read the text and then go back and break it down individually. As you may recall from the last episode, Jesus is now 
at the tabernacle of the festival of tabernacles or booths. And he's preaching and teaching to the crowd in that crowd, as always seem are the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And we see or we saw in our last episode that Jesus told the crowd that he was sent by God, the father, and that ultimately he's going to return to God, the father, speaking of his pending or future someone somewhat six months later, his death, burial and resurrection. But naturally, the crowd did not understand what he was talking about. But nonetheless, according to God's word, many in the crowd started to believe Jesus was indeed the Messiah or the Christ. And as a result, the religious leaders who was in the crowd tried to have Jesus arrested because they don't want anybody believing in Jesus because ultimately they didn't believe in Jesus. And since they were the upper class, the re- religious class, if they didn't believe it, according to them, no one else should believe in him. And so that's where we are. And we're going to pick up the action in verse number 37. So if you would. Turn with me to chapter seven of the book of John out of the New Testament, and we're going to pick it up and start reading verse number 37, which says on the last day in the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Verse number 39. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Verse number 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Verse number 41. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Verse number 42. Does not scripture say that the Messiah would come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Verse number 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisee retorted. Verse number 48. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who had and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And then finally, verse number 53, then they all went home. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just love you. We appreciate you. We give thanks to you in this Thanksgiving season. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We're thankful for you being our God. We're thankful that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're thankful that you obeyed the father even unto death, allowing your holy, precious, perfect, godly life to be taken for our sins, atoning for our sins. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. Father God, we thank you for your word. 
We ask in your son's mighty name that you would open up our minds, our ears, and our hearts to better receive and understand your word. We give you honor. We give you glory in all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. So let's go back to verse number 37, which says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Verse number 38. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. During this Feast of Tabernacle, Israel remember God's miraculous intervention during their time in the wilderness. As part of the celebration, priests would carry water to the altar in the temple, recalling God's provision of water from the rock. And you can find that in Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And what's going on and what he's describing is that when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness. So they were dependent on God for their food, for water. And so this festival commemorates God doing that for them, particularly providing the water because they were in a desert. You know, there's no water in the desert, but God providing for his children instructed Moses to strike the rock and water came. And so on the last and most important day of this festival, priests would circle the altar seven times with a container of water. This is the moment Jesus makes this claim, which begins in verse number 37, which we just read about anyone that's coming who comes to him would no longer thirst and would have living water flowing within. This backdrop is crucial to understand why Jesus spoke these particular words at that particular time, because he was tying the priests doing a ceremony of bringing the water to the altar and what it commemorated that God provided this physical water for his people to live in which the physical body needs in order to live. Now God has provided the spiritual water in the form of his son through his death, burial and resurrection for those who drink and who accept him, which means drink of him. They will have the Holy Spirit living in them. Jesus words here are connected to his claim of being the ultimate cure for spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. As used by Jesus, this internal spring or stream is indicative of the Holy Spirit, which comes to live inside all those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. This indwelling of the Holy Spirit, however, would not begin until after Jesus' ascension, after his death, burial, and resurrection. We see that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In other words, Jesus used this moment to emphasize his claim to being the source of living water, which is a metaphor for salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to convey to the crowd here doing this part in the last day and the most important day of the Feast of the Tabernacle. Moving on to verse number 39. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given. Since Jesus, since Jesus had not yet been glorified at this point in time, the Holy Spirit is working only selectively in the world. Perhaps the most dramatic example of the Holy Spirit temporary work is in the story of Samson, who was given strength when the Holy Spirit was with him. And you can go back and read the story of Samson in Judges chapter 14. After Jesus death, burial and resurrection, following his ascension and resurrection into heaven, Will the Holy Spirit begin to indwell in 
everyone who confesses faith in Jesus. Meaning, in other words, when a person hears the word of God, God changes their heart from stone to flesh that allows them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're recreated by the Holy Spirit, the new man, the new spirit is awakened or created, and the Holy Spirit dwells in the believer. That's what he's referring to right here. Verse number 40, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Moving on to verse number 41 for continuity. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Once again, Jesus' preaching results in mixed reaction from the crowd. Some of the people in Jerusalem have already come to believe in Jesus' words, mostly due, his, due to his miracles. Those who believe in Jesus' telling the truth, that he's telling the truth, see him as fulfilling the prophecy given in Deuteronomy 18, 15, which says the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And so based upon their understanding and studying of Deuteronomy 18, many in the crowd believe Jesus fulfilled that. Others believe that Jesus was the Christ, the savior that was promised by God, because again, these Jews had been taught that ultimately God is going to bring them the, a Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one who will conquer the world and leave the world forever, which he will. But it also predicted him coming and suffering and dying for our sins, dying, being buried and then resurrected and then ultimately coming back as the conquering king who will establish his kingdom on this earth forever. So some in the crowd believe Jesus fit that he was the, indeed the Christ, the savior that God had promised. And he was and is. Others, however, did not believe that Jesus was from God. Others, it seemed, had a better understanding of what scripture says about the Messiah, but not a good grasp of where Jesus was from. In other words, here in verse 42, the people pointed out that the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. In their mind, Jesus is from Nazareth. However, Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. You can find that in Luke chapter two, verses 15 through 17. So he fulfilled the prophecy of him being from Bethlehem because he was born in Bethlehem. But most people in the crowd did not know that. They just knew Jesus from where he had grew up and where he was living at that time around the, the Galilee area and that he was grew up in Nazareth. But he was actually born in Bethlehem. All right, let's move on to verse number 42 of John chapter 7. Does not scripture say that the Messiah would come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? For the crowd, Jesus is from, quote unquote, Nazareth, where he, had, where he has lived since he was a very young um, boy. However, these same people do not realize that Jesus was, in fact, born in Bethlehem, making him the fulfillment of that prophecy. Moving on to verse number 43. Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Again, we're talking about the crowd. Jesus has been teaching in the um, in Jerusalem, doing this great festival where many, many, many Jews have come back to the city to celebrate this festival. He's teaching in the courts of the temple. He's the crowd. The multitudes of crowds are there and the crowd are split on what they think. About Jesus. Is he the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? Who is he? 
So that's what that verse was referring to. Moving on to verse number 44. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, meaning the crowd. Some people in the crowd, they were also, just like the Pharisees, angry, and I'm sure the Pharisees was included in this number, were angry at Jesus for his claim of being from God, being sent by God, returning to God, the fact that he was in essence claiming to be God. And some wanted to, to seize him because they thought it was blasphemy, but no one laid hands on him. And the Bible doesn't tell us why they never laid hands on him. Maybe because they was afraid of people that was for Jesus, who thought he was the Messiah, that they would defend him or some uh, in a miraculous intervention by the Holy Spirit that would, allow, that, that would not allow them to take Jesus. But nonetheless, according to this verse, no one laid hands on Jesus and no one could lay hands on him because his time to be arrested had not yet come. That's going to come six months later. God, Jesus is on God, the father timeline of his ministry when certain things are going to happen. Ultimately, when he would be arrested, when he would be crucified, when he would be buried and ultimately raised from the dead. But that time had not yet come. And therefore, nothing any of these people in the crowd could do to touch Jesus, to fasten that up because he's on God's timeline and would not allow it. Verse number 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? Verse number 46. No one ever spoke the way this man does. The guard replied. And what this is referring to is that early in early in this chapter and in the last episode, we talked about how the Pharisee has sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus for teaching that he was from God and and that he was going back to God and in essence that he was God. And so now these guards have returned to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, empty handed without Jesus. And they want to know, uh, where is he? We sent you to arrest him. We were expecting him did you to bring him back. And when he come when they come back empty handed, they want to know why they don't have Jesus. So we see in verse number 46, the guard. The guards tell the religious leaders that Jesus' words are the reason they chose not to arrest him. Remarkably, Jesus preaching during these, this episode is so compelling, so compelling that even those who disagree with him and were sent to arrest him found that to be inappropriate. Because they were moved by who Jesus was and they couldn't arrest him. And this is going to enrage the Pharisees, as we're going to see. Let's move on to verse number 47. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisee retorted, meaning that the, the, the Pharisees turned to the God and said, has he not see, deceived you too? And therefore, that's why you didn't arrest him. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of during that time, they angrily rejected anyone who disagreed with them. Under the assumption that anyone who disagrees with them must, by necessity, be either arrogant, I mean, ignorant, deceived or backwards. The core error behind the Pharisees rejection is self-important. They just felt they were so important. And, up, and so they thought, if we don't believe that, why would anyone believe that? Because we're the Pharisees. We're the, up, the upper echelon of society, the upper class, the ruling class, the educated class. And we know better for all. So if we believe something, you believe it, too. And so they came to the conclusion, if you are starting to believe in Jesus, he had to deceive you because no one would believe in Jesus unless they're ignorant, deceived or backwards. Because we know best for everybody. Moving on to verse number 48, 48. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? Again, 
This conversation is the Pharisees talking back to the temple God guard who they've sent to arrest Jesus. This verse shows their arrogance. The Pharisees have a single simple reason to ridicule those who accept Christ. That is, the Pharisees don't believe in Jesus. Therefore, anyone who does is a fool. Point blank. Look at that verse number 48. Have any of the rulers of the or of the Pharisees believe in him? In other words, we don't believe in him. So why anybody else should believe in him? The arrogance of them. And that's why they were so mad at Jesus, because he was bucking the powers, their power system, disobeying their man-made laws, claiming to be God. And they didn't believe in him, so they could not believe anyone could believe in him because they were the Pharisees. Moving on to first verse number 49. No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them since they in their own minds hold superior knowledge of God's law. This means that all others are cursed. Speaking of the crowd that Jesus was teaching to and believing, because again, this was the educated class. They knew what we would call the Old Testament. They that was their book, the Torah. They were the ones who were schooled in the word of God during that time. And They was so basically what they were saying in verse number 49. We know the law. And based upon our knowledge of the law, since we don't believe in Jesus, anyone who does, they're cursed because they don't know the law. They're ignorant. Same thing. Going back to their their arrogance of their self-importance, name calling, because somebody believe in something that they don't believe because of their. The fact that they're of the educated class, they can't understand and cursing anybody that don't believe as they do. Let's move on to verse number 50. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their number asked, moving on to verse 51 to keep it in continuity. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Nicodemus, as you may remember, you can go back to John chapter three, came to Jesus at night. And ask him some questions. That's when Jesus was telling him, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, not like many people interacted with Jesus, not knowing he was talking about a spiritual rebirth, asked, you know, how can a man go back into his mother's room? That Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is with this religious group that's talking to the guards who they have sent to arrest Jesus. And they come back into him that this is Nicodemus speaking to them, has suggested at this stage that his Fellow experts in the law, the Pharisees, actually follow the law, which explicitly says that Jesus is old due process. And you can find that in their Old Testament, in Old Testament, Exodus Exodus chapter 23 and Deuteronomy chapter one and Proverbs 18. In other words, what Nicodemus is telling the Pharisees, follow the the code, the law you claim to live by. And give Jesus a hearing instead of just arresting him and trying to kill him. That's what Nicodemus is trying to tell them, but they're not trying to hear that, as we're going to see. Let's move on to verse number 52. They replied, meaning the, the other Pharisees replied to Nicodemus, are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Rather than accepting their own law, the other Pharisees turn on Nicodemus. They start calling him name. The comment about Nicodemus being from Galilee is meant to be an insult. And the reason why most of the Pharisees was, were from the city, Jerusalem. And they saw people in the surrounding rural area as like Galilee as backwards or low caste class. 
And so them saying to Nicodemus, are you from Galilee? That's an insult to him. Saying, are you backwards? Are you low-cast? This is how hatefully arrogant the Pharisees are with respect to Jesus. In that they're willing to ignore their own laws. Meaning, don't give him no due process. Let's go ahead and arrest him. Do what we want to do. While calling another Pharisees a name, insulting him. That's how Jesus made them feel. Finally, then they went home. And that's how the chapter ends. And that's how we would end this episode. And again, we will pick up in chapter eight on in the new year, either late January or early February. I thank you for listening to the podcast I thank God for you, and I pray that you would join us in the new year when we pick up. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this past year of just allowing us to look at your word, to study it, to to, um, eat it, to consume it, to be blessed by it, Father. We just praise and worship you for it. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your son, Jesus. You're glorious. You're magnificent. We thank you for all listeners, Father. We ask that you would protect them during the holiday season and during Christmas and, and into the new year, Father. Put a hedge of protection around them, Father. Lifting them up to intercede on their behalf of their needs, Father, which you know. You know all of our needs. Even before we need them, you know what they are. And you have faith and justice to supply those needs according to your riches and your glory and to your will. So we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. I will see you in the new year. Be blessed. Amen. We pray that this Bible study has blessed you. If you have a prayer request, you can email it to renewyourmindm at gmail.com or mail it to P.O. Box 721143, Jackson, Mississippi 39272. Remember, you can hear current and past episodes at any time on our website of Renew Your Mind ministries.org or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Audible, and Google Podcasts. We encourage you to tell others about the program and share our website of renewyourmindministries.org. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. By telling others about the program, You are doing your part to spread the gospel into all the world about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Until next time, this has been Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God.